Hi, Nicole. I'm not sure if you're able to yeah. see me no, and no, hear no. me I yet. Like, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now it is working, I think. <laughs> yes, perfect. I see you. <laughs> How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yes, doing good, doing good. How about yourself? Yeah, good. I was just chatting actually earlier with uh, mm -hmm. Chris, with who you shared uh, the uh, stage yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also How's said the same thing. He was like, "Yeah, I'm good. A little bit tired, but but good." Ah, uh, yeah. Nah, I, on my side is mainly because of uh, the uh, the office stuff. Mm -hmm. Busy week. Uh, this is kind of like a project uh, planning week. So, oh, <laughs> a lot day to do. Meetings. It's great. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One one thing that's really uh, uh -huh. been striking me the few times that I have, you know, met you and, and spent a little uh -huh. bit of time with yeah. you is that you seem to always be sort of in a good mood and in a very uh, equal, <laughs> equal mood. Is this just uh, because I don't know you so well and I haven't seen you that many times or would you say that this is generally how you are? No, no, I, I, I think it's mainly a mindset, right? Uh, I... I manage expectations and mm -hmm. as a result uh, that's how I avoid having uh, two extremes of moods because uh, uh, if expectations are generally around where they're supposed to be uh, you don't go I'm so disappointed oh I'm super super happy it's kind of like <laughs> yes this is where it should be so you're in, in that bracket of uh, inner peace so to speak. <laughs> okay so you would say that you're generally mm -hmm. In the middle stage of happiness, is that how would you mm -hmm. you would describe yeah, it? Yeah, I I attempt to calibrate uh, to generally that middle state because when mm -hmm. you go to either extreme, right? I mean, it feels really good when you're extremely happy, but uh, yeah. you you know, in humans, there's this thing called the hedonic treadmill. If you allow mm -hmm. yourself to be, or if you're always chasing the high of happiness, you end up being less happy over time. Because you always need that high, and then you need a higher high, and then you need a higher, higher high, and <laughs> eventually you're going to uh, implode, right? Uh, same thing if you're constantly sad. Uh, yeah. Yes, you feel less sad, but you don't want the extremes of that as well, because you're just mm -hmm. constantly feeling negative, and that's not healthy either. Yeah. Would you say that you've always had this vision of needing to be sort of in the middle of, you know, not too extreme happy and not too extreme sad? Or is this something that has developed a little more? No, no, I, it, it didn't years? come naturally to me. Uh, it's, it's something that's cultivated over the years. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I started off like any normal person. Uh, uh, you know, you, you swing with your moods, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. you're really, really happy. Sometimes you're not happy. And, you know, you, you go where that goes. But eventually, uh, it's, it's a mindset shift where you start realizing, hang on, you know, all these extremes, they, they feel good at times, but uh, you start realizing sometimes it can be a bit destructive. So it becomes a question of where do you achieve that balance point? And once mm -hmm. you find that balance point, the question is, can you stay relatively accurate? So it's not saying you're forcing yourself not to have emotions. It's more of you're managing expectations so that your emotions are generally within a reasonable bracket. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> what would you say to someone who maybe would think, okay, this is, you know, maybe a super boring life if you're never going to have, you know, intense emotions, whether good or bad? Do okay. you see that this can feel maybe like it takes away the spice of life or do you feel like this is comforting? 
No, actually, I, I, I think uh, the spice of life, at least in, in this mode of uh, managing expectations, it's the, the spice is in actually being able to calibrate. Okay. Uh, so it's like getting it right, you know. You, you, you in the science you of that. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's like, a, well, I mean, if you ever worked in a laboratory, it's a bit like doing titrations where you're dripping one chemical into another. And at one point, the color just switches in the liquid. And then okay. yeah, that's the switching point. And if you're doing that over and over again, uh, the the spice of life actually comes from the satisfaction of knowing that you're mm. able to uh, make that happen rather than forcing and saying, oh, I'm really uh, extremely happy. But I force myself to be sad. I'm really sad. I force myself to be happy <laughs> because you know that that's artificial, and uh, I, I don't think anyone can really be truly happy uh, uh, chasing that kind of uh, middle state. Mm-hmm. So for you, it comes from this. Yeah, kind of like science and experimentation of finding that perfect point that is in Absolutely. this calibration. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it, it's really about self-awareness, right? When, when some people talk about uh, awareness and meditation and all that, it's almost mm-hmm. a meditative state where uh, you're being aware of what you're feeling, why you're feeling what you feel. Uh, and acknowledging it, right? It's not to say I will deny that I'm angry right now. It's no, if I'm angry, I will acknowledge that I'm angry right mm-hmm. now. Uh, this is what it feels like. And you start realizing these are the thoughts that are going through your head and you're able to just actually look at them rather than saying, I'm just angry, I'm blind. There's nothing else I see but <laughs> anger, uh, which happens a lot, right? That, that was me when I was younger. And uh, later I realized, well, that didn't lead to a better life. So it's mm-hmm. more important to have that kind of introspection and just think about, well, what's going on in your own head, right? Just take a moment yeah. to pause and just let it soak in. Mm-hmm. That's super interesting. And um, I want to get a little bit into what you shared also in your uh, TED Talks a few weeks ago mm-hmm. sure. on uh, luck hacking. I thought this was so interesting, you know, point of view and how it can relate on, on happiness as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that... Uh, luck generally in life either being lucky or having you know luck in our life is mm-hmm. a way to be happier or do you feel that they are not necessarily correlated i would say that it's not necessarily correlated but i would not also say it's irrelevant and here's why because in the tedx uh, i was talking about luck having two components you've got the randomness mm-hmm. and you've got probability right um, when it comes to randomness, there's really nothing you can do about it. Like bad things are going to happen, good things are going to happen, and it just randomly occurs. Uh, the important thing is to realize number one, you know, you let it sink in and go, okay, well that happened. But at the same time, because being honest with yourself, I had no personal responsibility in the lottery uh, mm. winning or uh, if something unfortunate happened, I had no control over that. And just realizing that there are some things in life we will not have control over. And that's part of managing expectations, right? And the other part is the probability where I'm doing everything I can to try to get better outcomes. Mm-hmm. And that is under my control. So if I am nudging towards that way and things are happening in that direction, I can also, again, acknowledge it and say, hey, <laughs> maybe my efforts are paying off, right? So I, I think the element, uh, when you get a lucky outcome, it's when your expectations are aligning with that combination of randomness and probability. And I mm-hmm. think you can get some satisfaction from that. Whether you call it happiness or not, that's up to the individual. But I yeah. would think that, uh, you know, you get a positive outcome from from that uh, experience. Mm-hmm. And would you say that, let's say, for example, if the same thing 
happens to me and mm -hmm. one comes from kind of you know pure randomness it just i just stumbled upon i don't know uh, a lot of money i found a treasure sure. <laughs> i don't need mm -hmm. to i don't know work for it or mm -hmm. um, make things control in my favor to find this this great treasure or on the other hand you know for years and years i i don't know study history book and try to mm -hmm. find i don't know some hold hidden treasure do you think I would be more satisfied and more happy sort of stumbling upon it or if I have worked many years for it? Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a correlation or maybe not at all? The, the interesting thing is, uh, as I mentioned about the hedonic treadmill, the answer would probably be neither one will make you truly happy. Uh, it's okay. not because money doesn't buy happiness, but it's the fact that um, as a human, uh, once we get some great benefit, right? Oh, I got a million dollars. Obviously, I'm extremely happy to receive a million dollars. But mm -hmm. the thing is, shortly after that, I will have internalized that I now have a million dollars. And the next time I look at it, I am no longer as happy as the first time I saw it. So I get habituated to it. So it doesn't matter if you got it by luck or you got it by hard work. What happens is at the end of the day, you look at it and you go, all right, now I have this. The key to some satisfaction after that is what are you going to do with that you know um some people actually get destroyed by a sudden fortune because now they're mm -hmm. like oh, i don't know what to do with it i'm going to buy a sports car i'll buy a house i'll i'll spend on my friends we'll go drinking every night so a lot of things happen where they try to create meaning out of it but i always say that in fact uh, the one who has worked for it hopefully they have found a way to get meaning out of mm. whatever reward they get, right? So your preparation for that probability to get you that lucky moment in life, uh, hopefully that preparation is that, that you have a follow-through where you say, mm. now I have the million, uh, maybe I'll help the poor, maybe I will uh, uh, support my family. I'm not sure what it will be, but to the individual, it's something that's meaningful to them. And that's what will actually bring them more happiness rather than saying, I will now mm. buy all the expensive things. <laughs> okay, sure. You know, but uh, that again is just chasing a high that is never going to stay, and I'm not sure that's a sustainable way to stay in a positive frame of mind. Yeah, that's true, and I think probably if you have, you know, spent many years trying to achieve something, mm -hmm. you had some higher purpose behind it that makes you, you know, keep searching, keep keep searching, keep going. While mm -hmm. if you just walk and find it, kind of, it's like okay, you didn't have necessarily a purpose uh, or mm -hmm. meaning behind that. It just sort of happens to you. Yes. So I think that's that's pretty interesting. And um, I think another very interesting part of your background is that you work in game design. And, um, you know, there's usually a lot of storytelling and adventures and, and mm -hmm. so on in, in a lot of games or at, at least the successful one. Do you think there is some parallel that we can make from game design or things that we can learn from game designs or playing, uh, you know, this kind of games and how we could apply this to be happier in life? I think ultimately uh, it's kind of similar to the topic I had in the TED talk where I was talking about life and games, right? Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, we can have several mentalities about life and a game designer at least uh, when a game designer looks at a game, the first thing you think about is, well, I, I help to make the rules in this thing, right? And therefore, however good or bad it turns out, you feel a bit of responsibility. So if players are playing your game and they're not having fun, 
oh, you know, I, I feel that because maybe I didn't make a, a good game or if they're having lots of fun, they'll be like, oh, yes, uh, you know, I, I, I have <laughs> to bring that in because it's always a team effort, right? But you also mm. do feel that personal responsibility. And I think in life is the same thing where you feel that kind of personal responsibility where if you have tried to engineer your life, and mm-hmm. you're setting things in motion, like, you know, going to uh, do a TED Talk or you're talking to people or you're helping someone else. Uh, these are actions. You mm-hmm. you commit to the action, you perform the action, and then you take in the outcome regardless whether it's good or bad. And I think that's one of the parallels I would have with uh, video games and life, at least in the perspective of a game designer, right? Because you're designing the mm-hmm. rules. Uh, the rules interact with something that you cannot easily predict. And then after that, you bring it all in and you, you take a step back and you go, how did it turn out? Was it good? Was it bad? Why? Uh, what could I do better next time, right? Mm-hmm. So even when you fall short and it turns out your players hate your game, they, you know, it was no <laughs> fun to them. Okay, you know, you have to own it first. You cannot say, oh, those players are silly. We, uh, I should get better players. It's like, no, you, you take it in and you go, okay, what went wrong? What shall we do mm-hmm. better the next time? So you you take something back with you even if uh, you fall short and things don't turn out as expected. Mm-hmm. What I find super interesting also is that now generally as a society we try to remove all obstacles and have as much yeah. you know comfort and easiness and mm-hmm. simplicity I guess as possible. But in basically every game there's some sort of you know, obstacles or, you know, maybe a monsters to fight or Mm -hmm. a quest or something with many obstacles. It's not that you start the game and boom, you find the treasure or, (laughs) I don't know, boom, you're already at the highest level. But in life, that's what we try to have kind of or create. Mm -hmm. But do you think that we need obstacles to be happy or that we can be at peace and happy with sort of a life that has no problems, no obstacles, <laughs> no no big quests and no dragons around us. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, I, I really think that our struggles and our failures actually shape us and uh, shape us in a good way, right? Because uh, every single bad experience is painful the moment you experience it. Like uh, in some video games, there are some uh, fairly trendy ones uh, recently where, uh, for example, the Souls games, uh, you're, as a player, you're going to get defeated over and over again, right? You're going to fail. Mm. You, you will fail badly, and it's very awkward, embarrassing, horrible. Uh, you're doing this over and over again. But what comes out of it is this knowing at some point you eventually defeat that enemy that has defeated you like a hundred times. Maybe you want to <laughs> do it a hundred more times just to get revenge. You could. Um, but I, I think if you have never had a hundred deaths, assuming you have this magic button, every time you see an enemy, you press the button and the enemy dies. And you're like, yes, the first time it feels good. Second time you do it, eventually <laughs> you're like, I stop pressing the button because, I mean, it's going to die the moment I press the button. If anything, I might feel a bit sorry. It's like, oh, you can't even fight back. I just press the button mm. and you're done. You know. So I, I think that kind of challenge um, makes us feel that we've earned something, whether it's true <laughs> or not. That's, uh, you know, on self-reflection, right? But uh, I, I think that earning something is what makes life have some degree of meaning. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we have that in so many aspects of life. Uh, ultimately, when people receive things that they haven't earned, at some level within ourselves, we don't feel that it's ours really. It's like it's something given to me and I can do what I want with it, but it's not really mine. So I, I don't take mm-hmm. as much care as like if it was something that I slowly earned in or even quickly earned in. It's like I did a great thing and suddenly uh, 
you know, all kinds of rewards pouring and I'm like, okay, but I did take the action and this is mine. So yeah. uh, what am I going to do with my thing, basically? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And what would you say for you personally brings you either happiness or joy or content, however you want to define, I guess, positive things that, that mm -hmm. are in your life? Yeah, no, I, I really think it's about self-reflection and ultimately slowly cultivating stuff, right? And mm -hmm. it can be any number of things. It could be growing plants. It could be investing money. It could be just doing a good job at work. It, there's just a lot of things, the small things in life. It's ultimately to have a, a grateful mindset where you mm -hmm. wake up in the morning, you get out of bed. Hey, I'm not in pain. That's not bad. You know, I got food. <laughs> I could have breakfast. That's really not bad. You know, it's the small things that we often take for granted in life that mm -hmm. we often forget. Um, living in a modern world. In fact, uh, we just had a uh, Valbori over in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, so mm -hmm. I, I just uh, just over the weekend there was this big bonfire and you know people are singing songs about spring and all that as is traditional uh, here in Sweden. Um, but why why do people do that? You know, uh, in, in the modern day, we are like, you know, it's just spring. You know, we just hide indoors for the winter <laughs> and then spring and then it's all, it's all fine. And I, I tell people that uh, we often forget because we live a very privileged life in the modern society in a developed mm. country and winter is no big deal. If there was a bad harvest last year, we buy more stuff from another country in Europe. Uh, we're not going to go hungry, right? But yep. the gratitude for the small things, uh, it, it comes from a simpler time where maybe you may not survive the winter maybe you actually had a really hard time in the winter you were hungry mm. you were cold uh, you couldn't get enough wood your your fire was going out or your chimney was blocked or i don't know all, any number <laughs> of bad things right so people feel happier even though they had less and mm -hmm. how do we do that in the modern day and i think it's just to be thankful for all the little things you you went to the bathroom in the morning good for you you know <laughs> you, you could do that without any trouble right and all these things, they, they add up and by the end of the day, you start feeling, well, I had a pretty good day. I mean, I was rough at work. I was really busy and I was tired. But overall, I had food. I'm not in pain. I'm able to walk normally. I'm able to go around as I wish. There's working public transport. There's, there's a lot of great things that happen to us. And uh, mm -hmm. this will actually be riches for someone who lived 100, 200 years ago. And it's important not to forget where we came from, basically. Yeah. I find that, yeah, having a lot of at least basic comfort, you know, we yeah. sometimes forget how lucky we are for, for those kind yeah, of things because exactly. it's like, okay, we can be born with it or now, you know, we like push a button, there's electricity, it's magic, we don't exactly. think about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I also find it that sometimes when we just focus on comfort, it's hard to have kind of those more... I don't know, excitement part of happiness. Mm -hmm. um, is there, you mentioned, uh, for example, earlier, you know, having plants or growing plants. Is that something that beyond, you know, comfort brings you maybe pride or joy or other feelings like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I have a, a couple of ways of doing that, right? Because uh, I'm actually really terrible at growing plants. Uh, okay. So if anything, it's like uh, the souls like experience. My plants die all the time. Uh, but the strange thing is sometimes I find a, a safe area where I can grow something. I put mm -hmm. the seeds down and I just let them go. I don't even do anything to them. And I just watch mm -hmm. how they survive, right? So it's just watching that 
daily struggle and you can see, oh, the plant is having a hard time because it's really dry. I'm not watering you. I'm just watching you. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things where after the year has passed, the uh, one winter has gone and you come back and the next year the plant is still there. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. look at that. You know, so I, I think ultimately is these kinds of challenges. Sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's vicarious. You just see something uh, going on in life. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think these are the small little satisfactions that you can have and it's not just about comfort right it's sometimes about acknowledging that uh, you know we all have lives to live and there are challenges but we get through together uh, the next year I'll be saying hi to the same plant it's, it's still there <laughs> and that's wonderful yeah. because I did not put any care into it it's, it's actually put its own effort in and it's still there so good for it yeah so letting, letting kind of mother nature do its thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, uh, speaking of nature, I, I say that is quite a nice uh, thing because I, I come from Singapore and we are talking about uh, urban landscapes. There's some nature, but you have to go specifically to nature reserves to see them most of the time. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of birds and animals that come to the city. But here in Stockholm, I, I've got a place on the outskirts and I'm just looking into a forest right in the morning. Uh, every day before work I can look and say oh the deer is out oh that's nice and then I can see the rabbits and the birds and all all the things in nature where you just look at it and you realize yeah uh, they're having a time of their life and I'm just uh, getting up for the morning and I realize yeah all all's right with the world at the moment and we're, we're good <laughs> to go right yeah I could really relate with your anecdote of of the plants I think it was yeah, no more than one year ago now, my parents got a, a house and we never had a house before, only apartment. So the day we got into the house, I ate an apple and I saved the seed and I planted them mm-hmm. in the garden. And at first nothing happened, but I was like, OK, I think a, an apple tree is going to grow there. I'm I'm convinced yeah. an apple tree is going to grow there. Yeah. And then little leaves started to come out and it's growing so slow and it's almost died so many times. But every Mm -hmm. now and then my dad takes a picture and he sends me a picture of literally just (laughs) three four leaves that are in the middle of the grass and it makes me so happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that probably I will in my lifetime even maybe never have you know apples actually growing there because it goes so slow but he's kind of like taking care of it and for winter he had put sort of like a protection And so every time I go there, I check on my growing apple Mm -hmm. tree that is just a few leaves. And it's really amazing to see how I get kind of so excited and so happy for something that is so slow that I'm not really Mm. doing anything about. And that will probably not bring me any reward beyond Mm -hmm. the like excitement of watching it grow. Yeah, but I, I think that's actually one of the forgotten arts in modern life, right? Where uh, you, you do things, you put in effort, and you don't actually expect a reward. It's just, your your reward is just watching the thing grow, right? So uh, it's one of those things that we often forget because, hey, I go to work, I expect to get paid. I go mm. to the supermarket, I give money, I expect to receive goods. So we always expect a reward in the modern capitalist world. But at the same time, it's a bit of a palate cleanser to go, okay, well, remember that nature sometimes is just, it's just life, right? Life is mm. uh, going on. And the apple tree may never give you apples, but that's okay. You are just happy to see that it survives, right? Or yeah, I'm like, oh, it's still here. You know, <laughs> exactly. But even if it doesn't, you look at it and you go, all right, you know, 
it's it's not easy to to make it in life and sometimes things happen and it doesn't quite make it and then you go again right maybe you plant another seed or you do something else but that's just a again appreciation for the fact that yeah uh, nature's working yeah 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 this time i was like okay it was about the same time last year that i planted the seeds I'm thinking maybe now I'll plant another seed just to see, you know, how it goes. And in case the other one dies, I will still have, you know, kind of this <laughs> excitement. Yeah. Do you think generally having nature around you makes it easier to feel happy in life than if you live in, you know, like a big city like Singapore, New York or whatever, Buenos yeah. Aires, <laughs> wherever that has a lot of buildings around? Yeah, I, I, I do think so. And I, I think it's ultimately, again, um, having a very modern surrounding with uh, mm -hmm. the whole uh, capitalist system around. Uh, not that I'm anti-capitalist. In fact, I'm quite a capitalist myself. But just remembering <laughs> that there is more to life than simply uh, buying and selling goods, uh, having material exchanges. Uh, it's just getting back to your roots, you know, as a human to just go, all right you've got this stuff going on in nature, you've got a circle of life, uh, things live, things die, and just starting to get grounded, right? Because ultimately, it's easy to become detached in a city where you go, oh, it's all about buildings. Buildings don't really die. Uh, you don't see the maintenance, so you don't even <laughs> see the struggles that a building is uh, undergoing. You just go, the building's been there for the last hundred years, and it will be there forever. And that creates a false feeling of immortality where things don't mm -hmm. really change and uh, things will always be like this. Maybe, but then at the same time, it creates a, a sense that maybe I'm not progressing, so I need to progress more. And then you try to progress mm -hmm. more and you're chasing something that is entirely arbitrary and imaginary. And that's not a good formula for happiness. And this is probably why even people in a less developed, less fortunate societies they still manage to find happiness, even though mm -hmm. by uh, city dwellers' standards, it's like, oh, wow, you're living in a horrible, uh, you know, uh, very unfortunate background. But for those people, like, no, I've got food. I'm, I've got water. I've got all the stuff that I need. Like, what more mm -hmm. do I need in life? And you, it makes you start to think, okay, so I have much more, but why am I not, like, much more happier than you are? Um, mm -hmm. what, what changed, you know? Yeah. We could have, uh, you know, a question of if you're so rich, why aren't you happy? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's ultimately a habituation in humans and the hedonic treadmill where uh, if I give you a dollar, you're much happier than when you had zero dollars. If I give you 10, you're happier than you had one dollar, but not as much. When I start <laughs> giving you a million bucks, you go, well, that's nice, but the next million is not going to make you as happy as your first million and mm. so on and so forth. So at some point you get those diminishing returns and the question is, do you want to keep chasing that? And if so, again, the question of purpose and meaning, why do you want all of that stuff? And at the same time, it's not saying that having more stuff is necessarily bad because maybe you have a purpose. Maybe you want to, again, uh, you want to help the children or you want to educate people, you want to do things for society. And I think mm -hmm. that's all quite worthy if you do have like excessive amounts of money and you're like, wow, what do I do with it? Well, <laughs> there are a lot of lives out there that can benefit from this, right? So why not uh, find some way to bring that happiness? It's the same thing as growing that little tree, right? Where <laughs> you, you don't expect anything in return, but is that happiness knowing that you're helping that tree along and now it's, uh, it's developing nicely? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And knowing that it's kind of like a family project now or like a family mm -hmm. caring, yeah. <laughs> caring thing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, and there's a lot of things in life, on the contrary, that sort of, I guess, suck out the happiness out of us or, you know, kind of our good feelings. What would you say for you, either personally or that you see as a society, um, is basically driving us unhappy? In fact, uh, one of the strange things now that you mentioned society is that uh, often we forget we are in a society um, because <laughs> in the modern day with the nuclear family, we don't have a village, right? We don't really mm. have a village with uh, relatives and friends and uh, people who live together in a general area. Uh, often, or at least for me, I, I live in an apartment, right? When I see my neighbor, I might say hello, um, but at the same time, they're not necessarily super friendly. They, we don't necessarily go, hey, let's have a picnic together. Uh, we all live our own lives. And remembering that we are a part of the society and how we contribute to it is something that can help to uh, bring that sense of purpose and satisfaction as well. Because, uh, like I said, if you have something for the community and if you are doing a community garden or if you're having activities with your neighbors, these are the kinds of things that can give little uh, bits of joy in life. Mm -hmm. And in some societies, you don't have as much of that. So what happens is every day I come back from work, I got my money. This is nice. Uh, I go to the supermarket, buy some stuff and maybe do whatever I do in the evening, play games, do the dishes. And then life repeats itself. I'll just do the same thing mm. the next day. And that kind of routine, eventually some people will start feeling, I'm, I'm getting nowhere, am I? I'm, even though <laughs> you know my bank account's getting bigger, I've got more stuff built up at home. Uh, I seem to be more successful, whatever that means. Uh, and yeah, I'm not happier. Why is that? And it's again that human connection that uh, you know people need to not forget and at the mm. end of the day coming back to it and saying okay you know we're we all living creatures and we need that kind of contact as well yeah so sort of avoiding complete isolation from society I guess and having some sort of purpose or meaning to to what we're mm -hmm. doing would be a good yeah. uh, a good way to summarize it I guess Yeah, I mean, uh, we experienced that during the pandemic where, uh, you know, people are trying to, at least a good number of people are trying to stay away from one another. And you can see uh, how everyone's uh, mental health suffered as a result of that. It was necessary mm. at the time, but uh, at the same time, it also took its toll and a lot of people suffered as a result. And when we start going back now, it becomes that new calibration. How, how shall we live life? And this is a moment to pause and think, Was the old way good? Shall we go back exactly to where we were previously? Or is there a new, a new way that we discovered after a few years of meditating in isolation, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's not necessarily a great, uh, yeah, a great memory, all this sort of confusing periods of, <laughs> mm -hmm. of COVID. Do you have um, a really good memory of a day or time that you felt really happy? You know, one of the strange things was actually that exact uh, confusing period of COVID <laughs> because when it happened at first, you know, it was scary, right? You, you know, there's some kind of a sickness going around. You have no idea what it does, how it spreads. But eventually we start isolating, or at least I started isolating and I started having a routine. And because I stay right next to a nature reserve, I started just going around in nature, walking in the forest. And because there's not a lot of people in the area, I can definitely yeah. get a way of doing that and one of the things that uh, I realized that, that sort of happiness was actually uh, the liberation where I thought hey I don't need to go to the office in the morning 
I have an extra two hours <laughs> of time every single day. I can exercise. I can go out in nature. How nice is that? And it's it's a strange thing because I didn't expect to feel that, uh, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. But once that happened, it gave me pause as well. I was just thinking, am I less happy going to work every day? That was the second revelation when we started mm. going back to the office more and I was able to compare the two. And I realized that, hey, there's uh, actually there's some satisfaction to be had both ways. So to this day, mm-hmm. I actually do a bit of a hybrid setup. I show up at the office most days. Uh, sometimes if I need to focus and work, I stay at home. So it becomes a new balance point, right? So we discovered a new normal, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some people like you, they kind of found some new meaning and joy into being at home you know some people had more time with their family or not as much mm-hmm. you know stressful time in the public transport or things yeah. like that and rediscovered exactly, what exactly. you know being able to stay at home uh, means and other people felt like wow I have all those kids around me and I can't work mm-hmm. or this yeah. is a very difficult situation so yeah the same mm-hmm. situation yeah. I think can have very different uh, you know impact on on different people Um, Mm -hmm. would you have in mind someone that you find to be the happiest person that that you know it can be someone either famous that you don't know personally or someone in your personal network yeah that's an interesting question I've not actually considered that because uh, for me one of the really tricky things is I I really don't know what goes on inside people's heads so Mm -hmm. when it (laughs) Yeah, I, I know it sounds like a, a funny thing to say, but uh, just because I see someone smiling a lot on social media, uh, they seem to be happy in the office, they go around, they always seem to be happy. I don't know if they're happy uh, because I'm not mm. them. I don't live their life. And even if I ask them if they're happy, they will probably say yes. Um, mm-hmm. But the question is, are they really? Uh, so that actually makes it very difficult for me to point out a person. But I, I think one one person I suspect might be extremely happy okay. is Warren Buffett. Um, because one thing about him, and he is uh, basically one of my role models, uh, because I realized that he's a person, even though he's incredibly rich, he does not seem to care about money. And mm. I, I thought that was a very interesting thing in the sense that, uh, yes, uh, he he's playing a game, right? He's trying to find the best investments. He's rolling his snowball. But at the same time, he has that certain satisfaction in life where uh, he's actually, you know, just uh, doing his thing. Every day he reads his annual reports. Somehow rather that's fun (laughs) for him. You know, he he seems to enjoy it. Because, I mean, if you think about it, right, someone who is uh, over 90 years old, still wanting to continue doing the thing, he's bringing himself to the office every day, doing whatever it is that he does, uh, there, there must be something to it. Because uh, mm. I, I know of other rich people, he doesn't need to work for money anymore. He, he hasn't needed to work for money for the last century, like half century <laughs> or so. So uh, he must be enjoying it at some level. So I, I think that uh, in terms of happiness, he probably has some degree there. And it's ultimately from just going into his work, maybe he really enjoys talking with his uh, partner, Charlie Munger. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think between the two of them, there's that, self magic to the partnership that just you know makes things work Hmm. yeah I think you made a great point at at the start when I asked you this question usually it's the question that most people have a hard time to answer a because it's not necessarily something we think about 
if I ask people, okay, who is one of the most successful person that you know, either personally or not personally, they have someone in mind mm -hmm. because it's so easy to think about like success. It can be okay, someone who mm -hmm. has a you know a big title or a lot of money or whatever. But it's like we don't so often think about who do I know who is actually a role model at you know living a good life and you know mm -hmm. enjoying <laughs> enjoying life truly and It's true that it's not because either on social media, you know, we see that someone seems to have a really great life and being happy mm -hmm. or even in the office and so on, being like, oh, yeah. I'm smiling and I'm fine and everything mm -hmm. is good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I it, mean, you made the it Social media is a mask, right? Uh, ultimately, mm -hmm. when people, whatever they put on social media, generally, it's not something to say, I'm such a miserable, sad person. It's very <laughs> rare for someone who actually wants to portray that. Typically, it's like, at the very least, I'm doing okay. That's the very minimum. Mm. Uh, often people are trying to portray something where I'm doing more than okay. I'm doing great. It's amazing. <laughs> Life is, I, I've been to Fiji. I've been to all the wonderful places. Look at this wonderful food I've had. That was the nails I did. Look at my uh, manicure now, so on and so forth, right? It's just to, mm. to share the good things in life. But uh, at the same time, Are they happy? And again, I don't know what goes on in their head. It's difficult to tell. Um, but knowing how people are generally, often it's not necessarily the case uh, that they are what they mm. portray. And it's difficult to say either way. So that's why uh, uh, it's hard to tell. But there are often signs. And I think the signs are when someone is seemingly doing something for a long period of time that mm. other people may not find fun. And yet they seem to be doing it. And they don't seem to be stopping even when other people who are doing the same thing have stopped a long time ago. Then I'll be like, <laughs> yeah. you must have some satisfaction from doing this. Otherwise you would have stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I really like this example mm -hmm. of Warren Buffett. I'm not sure I will be able mm -hmm. to invite him on this podcast. Usually oh, this is how I get uh, <laughs> referrals mm -hmm. for people to interview, but uh, This can be this can be a nice goal. It would be make me happy to have him and have sort of. Oh, that, that would be amazing. I, you know, I, I really have loved to have a chance to talk with him because he, he has some really good philosophies in life. Of course, uh, due to his uh, position in the world, uh, some might disagree and go, "Oh, you know, he's a, maybe he's a capitalist person and all that." But I'm just thinking that there are many ways for people to reach that position. Mm -hmm. And some are much more obviously unhappy than others. And you can even see it even in the media, the, the kinds of things they do, you're like, oh, they seem to be doing some really strange things in their life, you know. Um, but for him, it's like, hmm, everything he's doing seems to be fairly consistent. Like uh, mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's not going around buying big houses and uh, flashy <laughs> sports cars and just trying to show off how big his diamonds are. Um, because I know a lot of, not as rich people are doing that and that's what they're trying to show to the world and he's just like mm. well no i'm just going to go there and read my papers and i'll be like okay I, i'm not sure what joy that brings <laughs> you but uh it doesn't seem like an exciting thing for most of us and yet you're doing it so there, there must be something to that yeah it makes me think um would be super curious to hear your thoughts about another kind of famous very highly motivated person with elon musk He's obviously, mm -hmm. you know, passionate about what he's doing and just, mm -hmm. you know, like going, going and working and hustling. But to me, he doesn't feel like someone who is 
filled field by that. I I mean, obviously, I don't know him personally, but sure. the image that I perceive from him is that, you know, he has this grand vision and he's doing it mm-hmm. kind of to save the world. Or he thinks, you know, this is for the greater good of, of humanity. And so he needs to push through and he needs to do it, mm-hmm. but not necessarily out from his own satisfaction and happiness. Do you have sort of a similar uh, vision? Because he keeps doing the same thing for a long time as well. <laughs> well, actually, uh, the, the time frame is not quite as long, right? Because uh, if you're talking true, about true. Uh, back in the day before PayPal, I believe he had X as well. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was uh, a timeline that you could describe maybe 20, 30 years or so. Uh, of uh, that kind of, I don't know the exact timeline, so I, I'm probably wrong about that. But uh, ultimately, I'm just curious about uh, your thoughts, right? Like, why would you think he doesn't have the satisfaction from the stuff that he does? I don't know. I think for me, he seems very tired in every interview he is doing. <laughs> <laughs> and he... I don't know. I guess it's just my overall feeling. Again, it's not like I have talked to him personally, but I think when I see, you know, interviews or things like that, but Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. you can tell that, you know, he's working still relatively a lot, but he doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be doing it as a sacrifice. And mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to be sacrificing his health or, I don't know, his relationship with other people. Mm-hmm for the money or for the business. And I feel that Elon Musk in particular, he's all about whatever, you know, like mission or vision he has at that moment. And it doesn't matter if he doesn't sleep. It doesn't matter if he doesn't, I don't know, see, you know, other Mm -hmm. people or his family or whatever. Sure. Well, I mean, it's difficult to tell uh, someone's personal life from public accounts, so I cannot Mm. really comment on that. But uh, what I do uh, get the impression of looking at him is that he has a clear goal, right? He wants to get people to Mars. He wants to build Tesla into this uh, amazing auto company, so on and so forth. He has a bunch of things he would like to yeah. have specific things, right? And if I had to contrast him with Buffett, I think one of the differences is that Buffett doesn't have a specific thing he's actually trying to go for. Mm, he has a true. path. He, he just wants to go up. He's like, I want to invest really nicely, make more money. <laughs> That's that seems to be the entirety of where <laughs> he's the at, right? And his satisfaction seems to be almost like a meditative thing. That even Japanese craftspeople who are just doing a thing over and over again, and they're trying to just do it better and do it better. Mm. Why are you trying to make the best teapot in the world? I like making teapots, and I want to yeah. make a better teapot than the last teapot <laughs> I made. And see how like, great you can make it. <laughs> exactly, but you already make great teapots, and you have lots of teapots. Why do you want to make another greater teapot? It's like, well, there's that journey of discovery, right? So my impression is that uh, Elon is trying to rush towards a destination, and mm-hmm. Buffett is on a journey. He's simply like, I don't think he even knows where he's going, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, I, I believe that is part of why uh, there's that sense of urgency uh, that you see in the daily actions of uh, uh, Elon Musk as opposed to Warren Buffett, who uh, I'm always um, uh, amazed when I look at the shareholder meeting because uh, uh, you'll see him and Charlie Munger, they'll have a bunch of seized candy at the table and they'll be (laughs) slowly eating candy while talking to the shareholders. And I'm like, who does that? Like, who goes to... (laughs) A shareholder meeting and just sitting there calmly sipping his Coca-Cola and uh, eating candy right there. Um, 
I, I just think that there's a certain relaxation to that kind of behavior. Uh, whether mm-hmm. someone thinks it's professional or not, that's up to them. But <laughs> I'm just thinking, he does seem really, really relaxed. Uh, where yeah. typically in these kinds of meetings, it's quite uh, high pressure sometimes. There's lots of people listening to you. There will be questions. You'll have to answer them. So, uh, you know, it's not a leisurely thing. But he seems to take it in a leisurely way. So I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's true. And maybe it's a stereotype, but I guess for me, that feeling of one is sort of happier than the other is this sense of like stress, you know, that sort of surrounds uh, Elon and this sense of more ease and and chill. I think that's more quantifiable, right? I think that's more quantifiable because you can see that in the behavior. Because uh, when it comes to a mental state, like, uh, you know, when you're talking about happiness, I'm like, I don't know, maybe the stress makes Elon happier. (laughs) It's it's difficult for me to know, Uh, you know, because for all I know, he might be chasing that adrenaline high and just Mm -hmm. being in that state of uh, pressure maybe actually makes him happy. So it's difficult to tell. But in terms of uh, uh, does it it increase stress? Well, I I think that's visible. You can (laughs) say, okay, he's visibly more stressed. He, He does seem pretty tired compared to when he was uh, younger and doing things. And he is also juggling a lot more. Even shareholders are uh, expressing concern about, yeah, I think he's taking on too much. So uh, these are all signs. Uh, Whether it makes him happy, I I cannot comment. But uh, does it increase the stress level? Yeah, I think absolutely. Mm, Yeah, that's a good, I guess, a good way to sort of look at it and and evaluate Mm. something that we don't really know uh, personally. To... Mm. To wrap up, would you have um, mm-hmm. sort of a, an advice or tips that you think can be helpful for someone else to feel better maybe in, in their life? Mm. Well, ultimately, there's uh, a lot of things about life satisfaction that uh, ultimately when people feel in control of their lives, when people feel that they understand what's going on, these are things that actually help them uh, start to feel a bit happier in the sense that they're not completely out of control. Something else is moving you and you're just going with the flow. You don't know where it's going. It might be an unsafe place and uh, no, nobody feels happy doing that. At least generally people don't. So I would say figure out how the world works. If you're able to get knowledge, uh, you know, just seek it out. Try to understand things without mm-hmm. judging. Um, and most importantly, that self-awareness, right? Even the little things in life. Uh, one of my favorite examples of that sort of uh, little things in life is Hayao Miyazaki's work. So he is mm-hmm. uh, that Japanese animator who made, uh, you know, the Studio Ghibli as well as a bunch of really, really heartwarming films. And in that, they have these scenes of people cooking food. And you'll be like, who's interested in cooking food? You know, this is an anime with some fantastical story of magical creatures and there's food down there and people are eating and they're having a great time and uh, there's scenes of the, uh, you know, nature and the birds are singing and what's going on there? And it's that attention, right? Uh, that kind of awareness, which I believe um, because of that, uh, you, you start realizing, hey, there's more to the world than all the screaming thoughts in your head, just sneezing around, being aware of what's going on, just watching the world, I think these are the things that help to center the self. And as a result, I I think there's a greater chance of uh, living a happier life that way. All right. That's a really good, really good advice. (laughs) Thank you so much, Nicole. You're welcome. Uh, We're getting to the end of this uh, conversation, but it's been super fun and super insightful to have your opinion from, uh, you know, 
luck hacking to game design <laughs> to discussion about maybe who's a billionaire is happier than, than the other. Absolutely, absolutely. And really, um, I'm happy just to be here having this conversation, right? Because it's a, it's a simple pleasure sharing ideas, having social contact. I, I think, again, it's that kind of gratitude you have for a simple thing where we're just having a talk between, uh, you know, two people who know one another. And I think that's uh, that's something to be said there because it's, I was actually telling my parents that it's, it's fortunate I can make regular calls with them. They can see my face on a, a video call. They can hear my voice. And back in the day before we had access to all this, well, that, that wasn't so trivial. And it's easy to forget, but that was just 20, 30 years ago where these things wouldn't have been so simple. That's very true. That's very true. And, you know, we often criticize now the impact of technology. And it is mm -hmm. true that there's a lot of negative or maybe scary mm -hmm. impact that we are yeah. seeing um, now, but it also has made a lot easier, a lot of, you know, connection, especially from being mm -hmm. in different uh, parts of the world. Or absolutely, <laughs> this, this absolutely. Kind of aspect. And is that flexibility, right? Because uh, right now uh, we, we didn't have to travel to be able to have this conversation and as a result it's a bit more freeing because now I can go about doing something else after this and we still had this wonderful talk so I, I think uh, again it's just taking a moment to pause and appreciate that we're we're in a pretty good place even though uh, the news is scary and there's a lot of ugliness in the world uh, but there are, there are things to appreciate in life regardless. Yes so yeah, again, thank you so much, Nico, for, for taking You're this welcome. time. It's been <laughs> really fun to chat again with you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Anytime.